Hello, everybody. Welcome to Unspoken Matters. I'm your host, Craig Irving. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. I'm joined today by my guest, Tony Raglan. That's a name that should sound a little familiar to you because Tony was my very first guest. And since coming on the podcast, I've been asked about Tony so many times. I'm always asked, how is Tony? And if I was going to have her back on the podcast. So, Tony, clearly your story resonated with many people. So thanks for coming back on to talk with us. Well, I'm glad to be asked back. And I'm very happy to know that there was something about that story that resonated well with others. Hey, you know, one of the things that I enjoy most about podcasting with you is our conversations before and after the podcast. I always say the same thing. I wish I had been recording this uh, conversation. So I always enjoy what we talk about. Uh, off the podcast. So I need to find a way one of these days, some way to capture those conversations. Let's jump right in. One of the questions that people have been reluctantly, have reluctantly asked me is what actually happened to your daughter, Taylor? So you want to talk a little bit more about that? I can. If you'll recall, when I first shared that story, I told you that when we found her, there were no obvious signs as to how she had transitioned. And with that being the case, because we knew that she had suffered a couple of years prior to with depression, she had you know, gone through therapy, she had overcome that, she was a senior in high school, and seemingly on you know, living the best time of her life, she was mm-hmm. on an upward trajectory, she was receiving uh, you know, college acceptances, she was still considering other colleges of interest, and we thought everything was well, but we also knew that there had been other students in her school that had committed suicide and we were concerned that maybe we had missed something maybe you know she had fallen back into depression and we didn't know um however as i mentioned she passed away in march but it wasn't until the middle of july that we learned what her actual cause of death was we spoke a week after she passed we had called the coroner and asked for a copy of her death certificate And the coroner kept telling us that they were unable to determine what her cause of death was and that they weren't comfortable ruling it natural causes because she was an otherwise perfectly healthy 18-year-old. right. But they did share with us like the following week that the police had mentioned in their initial investigation that because they found this froth in her nose and a little bit of it coming out of her mouth, Mm -hmm. that that was indicative of someone that had suffered either a drug overdose or had had some other sort of uh, health cardiac event. So when they mentioned cardiac event, you know, we were just like, well, we knew it wasn't that. And we're definitely sure it wasn't drugs. Drugs, She was an asthmatic. So she knew, you know, that all anything like that would have just, you know, been counterproductive to her life. But nevertheless, when it was all said and done, uh, we learned that Taylor's actual cause of death was asphyxiation due to a bronchial asthma attack. So that's what actually took her out. And so if you'll recall during the initial podcast, I mentioned how she came in that night and we could hear her slamming the tops on the the dishes in the kitchen. We believe once we learned that, because she knew that that was a trigger for me, mm-hmm. we think that that was her way of trying to get our attention. 
um, Taylor's bedroom was in the basement and we all know that basements are inherently cold and but as an asthmatic we had always worried about Taylor's health during the spring and the summer months when pollens and humidity is really high. Yeah, it's warmer, that's But correct. we were very ignorant to the fact that in the wintertime, when it's frigid or when it's, you know, when it's cold and you know how you breathe and you can see, yes, the, frost you can see the frost coming, coming, coming from your mouth, mm -hmm. that those times for an asthmatic are just as equally dangerous for them. And we didn't realize that. And so her being down in the cold basement actually was counterproductive to her asthma. So although she had all types of asthma medication, her purse with her inhaler was actually located on the other side of the room. And wow. so we really believe that she was trying to get our attention when she was slamming the dishes and, you know, trying to make that noise. She was trying to wake us up to get us to come downstairs and respond. Yeah, so unfortunate because I suffered uh, uh, probably most of my childhood from asthma. My mom suffered up until her death from asthma and I also have a nephew. So I know the complication and the difficulty and how temperature would trigger uh an asthma attack. Right, so right. I very, suffer from it as well, and I inherited it from my father, so I'm aware as well. Very sad to hear that. Hey, what we what we did not spend a lot of time on is that when you initially thought it was suicide or drug overdose, uh, the emotions that you dealt with were entirely different. And I know we talked about that a little bit off the podcast, and I thought that conversation was so interesting. How you went from having one emotion. When, uh, when you thought one thing had happened and it was totally different, almost like reliving it again. Right. So you shared me a little bit about that conversation. I thought that was a very, very uh, interesting conversation in terms of how your emotions shift based on what happened. I think the shift primarily came from initially when we thought it was suicide, you, you're, you go through guilt. Mm -hmm. So your yes. emotions, you're, you're grieving the fact that you've lost your child. But then you're also grieving the fact that, you know, was I so bad? Was I so, yes. Or, you know, because, you know, did that lead her to something like that? Because I had some people who thought I was a little too uh, hard, too, too much of a strong disciplinarian. Mm -hmm. And then I had others who thought I was too lenient. Right. And, you know, children, you know, teenagers, depending on what day of the week it is and what they wanted, <laughs> they didn't mind you being a little, you That's know, a right. little bit more disciplined right. with them. And then other times, you know, they needed you to be more lenient. Right. But once we learned that her actual cause of death was asthma, there was still a level of guilt with that because now, you know, we're wondering, oh, did we keep it too cold down there? Should we have had someone come in and check the ventilation down there? Because we had just built that home. Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, constantly talking about the fact that for it to be a new home, it was just weird to us anyway that mm -hmm. the basement was as cold as it was. And right. everyone kept saying, well, basements are always cold. We were like, yeah, but this basement sometimes right. could be frigid no matter what the heat was on. But she would constantly, you know, she would get up some mornings and say, did you all turn the heat up last night? I could hardly breathe last night. So when we're upstairs, heat rises. So we would be getting warm. But also, when we would turn the temperature down, then we would be really cold. So we would have to, you know, uh, light the fireplace. But we did not realize that by lowering the temperature that we thought we were helping, that that added to that, that lowering that temperature added to her demise. Um, from a human nature standpoint, 
you know, you feel right. like you played a part in that. So it's another level of guilt. Of guilt, yes. You know, be- yes. because you still feel like you could have done something yeah. to have saved her had you known. Had we been more familiar and more aware with the winter causes and effect on an asthmatic, it would have changed, you know, the way we did things. We probably wouldn't have let her maintain a, a, a bedroom in the basement. We wouldn't have turned the temperature down as much. But as a person of faith, what we also had to come to terms with once we, you know, started our journey through grief was right. that when we before we're born, our days are already numbered. And yes. whether if the Lord had determined that Taylor's last day was going to be on March 15th, it would not have mattered, mattered whether what? she was in the basement, whether she was on a plane Absolutely. or a train. If that was going to be her day, right. that was going to be her day. So once we started down our grief journey and got to a place right. where we could actually see and hear and think straight, we understood that nothing we could have done would have changed, would have changed the outcome. outcome. It goes yes. into what we talked about. I think I shared with you about, I remember when my mother died, uh, the hardest part of that death was... I asked myself a thousand times, what could I have done differently? As a matter of fact, I started really picking out different things that, you know what, she said this, I should have said this. You're looking for reasons to, you know. Blame. To blame. You need need somewhere to place to blame. In turns, you need somewhere to place to grief. And you think think somewhere in your mind, it'll make me feel a little bit better if I can find out, find a reason for this. Right. And, and. And there's a fear, there's almost a fear, where it was, at least for me, there was almost a fear that my actions caused her death. You know, I, because I didn't do this, this is why she's not here and today. And I suffered through that for years. Mm. Even on my faith walk, knowing wow. that her days were already determined, mm-hmm. I still, as a human and a mother, I still struggled with, had I not done this, Right then she would still be yeah, here. Yeah. You know, but I continuously remind myself yeah. and it's not it doesn't just stop. It doesn't. You know, no. that, you know, it was her time. It does regardless. It was her time. Those triggers are always there. I mean even nowadays, I mean even now to this day, I will see something or think about something and I always go in my mind, I wonder if I had done this mom would probably still be alive today. Right. You so you that. you always question yourself, but I think it's important to re- re- Remember what you said is that the day that we're born, you know, there's a death date appointed to us. Yeah, and, to and every so, one of us. So it's a process that we all have to go we all through. We have to travel. Oh, you know, your story was so important for me to share because it was not just about one big loss. Mm-hmm. But Taylor's death was the beginning of a multitude of losses that you've had to overcome. And to me, we didn't talk about that the first time. But when I heard your story, when we talked about it uh, before the podcast and even after the podcast, to me, that's what made your journey and what makes your journey so remarkable to me is that, you know, as big as this loss was, this was just the beginning of of a tsunami that was going to follow after that. Share a little bit about your journey, what happened after Taylor's death. Not long after Taylor passed away and I eventually made my way back to work, um, that was also in the year 2008 when we had gone through the recession and there was, there came a time, um, there came a time, I want to say just before the election, my organization based out of Paris, France decided that they wanted to downsize the North American offices 
and I went into work one day and I was told that they were uh, eliminating some of the middle management positions, Probably. one of which included mine. So in that year, in a 12-month period, I had lost my daughter, I lost my job, and ultimately lost my home, and later my, my marriage. Wow. So it was all kind of a back-to-back-to-back-to-back loss. It was just loss after loss after loss after loss. And it, it's still amazing. It's amazing when I hear it. Did, did you ever think that you wouldn't get through it? Of course, there is. Yeah. When you're going through it, when it keeps coming back to back, you, you kind of say, what in the world have I done? Done, yes. Somebody I can said, this would keep falling into my lap. But at the same time, you realize that life still goes on and you still have to do what it is you have to do. And I think in, 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 I think in one of our conversations, you shared that even in the midst of going through all that, there's a reminder that if I could get through having just lost my child, just buried my child, right. then I know I could, you know, you could get through that. Right. Yeah. Each of those losses in and of itself is a, is a very hard mm -hmm. loss to suffer. But even combining all of those together, together, they do not equal the magnitude of what we suffered having lost our daughter. Lost for sure. Child. Yeah, I can only imagine. <clears throat> hey, this episode is titled Losing It All and Finding Yourself. And I, I thought it was such a relevant topic because most of the time during loss of tragedy, uh, we realize that we've lost ourselves. And going through all of the life changes um, that you went through, did you ever not recognize yourself? Well, quite a few times, as I mentioned, there was a, a, a moment after losing Taylor where I attempted suicide on more than one occasion. There were times after losing the job, you know, you, you start to look at yourself, even though I know I didn't do anything. Right, exactly. You know, that That's was just the me. circumstance yes. of the world. You still think of all the people, why me? Why me? You know, exactly. Because I, you know, I was doing such a great job. I was, you know, oh. helping to grow the organization. Why this position? Yes. You know, but I was looking at it from a personal perspective and not looking at it through the lens of a, a business professional mm -hmm. but you do you you get so frustrated but I didn't have time to focus on it because I knew I still had to live and I mm -hmm. still had to keep doing so my, my job at that point was being able to secure another job, another job right and you know it took almost two years for me to actually secure a job where I was pretty much equal to where I was before I lost the first job it was a long time before I was able to secure another home mm -hmm. you know but each time you know I felt like I was being knocked down I had to remember that I needed to get up because I still needed to keep pushing forward got to keep living got to keep living mm -hmm. and at some point you recognize that you can't do it by yourself absolutely even when you're at night by yourself and you're you know you're weeping or you're just thinking or you're emotionally rocked you remember that you need to look up Yes. And just say, okay, Lord, you're in control. Mm -hmm. What would you have me do next? And in his way, you know, he would line things up and nothing happened overnight. Mm -hmm. But as I said before, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh Take away. away. But God provides. Mm -hmm. Everything that I lost, he restored. He restored. I wow. have stepchildren that still treat me with the utmost respect and show me lots of love. I now have a great job. I now have a wonderful home. All of those things that I thought I had lost, God has restored. Well, you know, it's so interesting. You just said something when you said it. The little hairs of my arm stood up mm. because I remember um, 
I remember the start of loss for me was when my father passed. Mm-hmm. And I just had, you know, sometimes you have that feeling like something doesn't feel right. right. My life just feels off balance. I it couldn't does. put my finger on it. Shortly, my sister was, uh, my sister, uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, lost that battle. Mm-hmm. And then my niece was murdered, and then it, go, it would go into my so uncle, and then eventually my loss. mom. And the one thing that I realized after mom's death is that when I started to come back around, is that I kept asking the question that you just asked, why me? Why me? Why me? Right. What did I do? Mm-hmm. You know what? What is it going on? What's, what is it about me that all this stuff is happening? And when you you're able to pull yourself out of that why me mode and think about it's not about me. It's not me. about me. It's not about me. Right. And if not me, then who? Then who? Right. Who should it happen right. to? Right. You know, right. should I be given a choice to say, who Craig, who would you have who this would to you happen have to? Me choose and not you, if not and, you. And exactly. Tony, that was that was such a big turnaround moment for me because before then, you know, I had handled every death, I think, I compartmentalized it and able to move forward. Mm-hmm. But my mom death triggered something. Mm-hmm. And then I just went in that mode of thinking, what what is it about my life? You know, and start trying to really look back over my life and see, you know, have I done something really bad and wrong? Right. All these things are happening to me. It's about, and I realized that, you know, it, it, it was never about me. It was never, it was about, never about me. me. Right. And everybody, and everybody, whether I see it or know it or not, Everybody is going through something. Right. Everybody is carrying some cross. We all and, are. And so, but when you're in your moment, and, and that's, I think, how you have to get out of that moment. You have to take yourself out of what you're going through right. and kind of find a way to see the big picture. And I think I love what you always say, and you said this shortly ago, that you realize that that is a process. As painful as it is, it's a process that we're all going to have to face it's and go through. It's a life. hurdle. You know, it we is. we may not all lose our homes. We right. may not all lose our marriages. Right. We may not all lose our jobs. But we're all going to have to go through dealing with death. Of something. <coughs> of, That's right. Absolutely. That's right. But we, for sure, have absolutely. An absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, is, the Tony, is, is the Tony that you are today uh, who you dream you will be? And I only ask that because many times in my life, when good, bad, or indifferent things arise, I always look back and ask myself, am I who I envision? Is my life what it, what I envision it to be? Hmm. I think we all have dreams when we're growing up, you know, what we want to be, who we want to be. Hmm. I always believed that I would was put here to be a wife and a mother and a businesswoman. And I've done all of those. Uh, as a businesswoman, I wanted to, of course, to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to own my own business. Uh-huh. I wanted to provide a service that people really needed and that would have a great impact, mm-hmm. you know, not only on just a few people, but really ac- across the globe. Of course, haven't achieved that. But when we're growing up, we do have these big dreams. Yes. But I can say, um, am I the Tony today that I dreamed I was going to be? No, I'm not. Um, but I know that I'm still growing and I know that uh, the Tony that I am today is definitely a product of everything that I've been through, right, wrong, and different. Yes. The Tony that I am now is because of the things that I've been through, but I feel like I'm a better Tony than I was, not that I thought I was so bad, but I'm a better Tony today because I've been through that. Uh, one of the things that I focus on more now, and I always did, like when my daughter was growing up, she was, you know, part of a lot of volunteer groups. So we did a lot of volunteer efforts that were beneficial to those who were 
less less fortunate than mm-hmm. us if mm-hmm. there is such a thing. But you know what I'm saying. Yes. So we always wanted to give back. And so uh, as a part of keeping her memory alive, I just tried to continue on that road. So even now, I try to do as much as I can on my birthday, on holidays. I try to give back. I try to make sure I'm somewhere volunteering my service to someone else. Living in, you know, and what I call that is that I think I said on one of my earlier podcasts of, of why I started the podcast, a book we read by uh, Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. And what I consider what you're doing, and, and I do a lot of that myself, is living in the now. Yes. Because so often we get so caught up in life and mm-hmm. living, we forget to live in the present moment. Right. And when I read that book and, and started really thinking about it and thinking about it to myself, am I really enjoying the very state that I'm in now, the now, the, the, the now, the state of being present yes. and whatever my situation is, having an appreciation from it. And I think when you learn how to do that, it really changes the way that you look at life. Yes, I agree. You know, and this is such a good time to be having this conversation because People are, because of COVID, people are experiencing so much loss. Yes. Uh, lots of loss for the first time. Loss of jobs, yes. loss of homes yes. because of no jobs. Loss of control and that they are restricted from what they see as a normal life. Right. And, and also the loss of life. A lot of people are losing loved ones, losing friends mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, what's going on in the world today. How do, you find, how do you find yourself in the midst of so much life? And so, I'm sorry, so much loss. I think right now, um, I just try to stay focused on the here and now. I try, and you're right, I think a lot of people who are feeling anxiety right now, personally, I think it's due to the fact that we don't have control right. over things that we thought that we, we had thought we control had control over. over anyway. Right. Right. So because <laughs> you're being told you need to stay quarantined, because you're being told you can't go outside without a mask, because you're being told you can't come inside without a mask, <laughs> I think that a lot of times it's possible that people are putting the emphasis on the thing that's the least important, important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because technically what is a mask? It, you know, it's a piece of paper, right. you know what I mean? Or, or some sort of material right. that's this actually is... at this point being designed to protect you Absolutely. and to protect the people around you. Why is that such, Why a, is bad it such thing? a bad thing? Right. I mean, it's because it's what we haven't always done, right. but I have chosen not to even focus on that. Mm-hmm. I am comfortable in my skin. I'm comfortable in my home. I'm comfortable with my family, and if I'm not, I just stay away. Mm-hmm. You know, so I—that's how I'm coping. Mm-hmm. You know, and even with the loss, we've lost uh, a cousin, we've lost close friends. You know, to the COVID, right? And you know, and it is different because you can't go and, you know, we can't congregate like we used to and be able to offer our condolences or experience some of that grief with you kind of help share your pain mm-hmm. you have to do it from a distance or not at all or not at all and that's culturally out of the norm for us yeah absolutely and, you know that's so out of the out norm, of the for, norm us. for us right but there are <laughs> other ways that you are able to still demonstrate you know your comforting of your family member through a phone call, through a card, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and even through the occasional plant or flower. That's right. But sometimes just writing a letter or writing a special note in a card from your heart and letting that person know that, you know, I wish I could be there with you. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine what it's like 
for an individual who can't receive that. That's right. You know, because I know for me, one of the things that has helped me over the years to heal and to grow is the fact that there were so many people that reached out to us either by phone call, by card, by letter, by note, by so many mediums, Give but constantly over the years, there was always someone thinking someone, and yes. that one would come in at the right time. So I would encourage everybody to just continue to do that. If you know someone who's hurting or going through, you know, even though we can't be there physically, mm-hmm. there is another way to be present, even if it's just to leave a voicemail. Yes. And that's and that's such a the gift of presence is so much. It is. And, you know, it and it's not always about physical presence. Right. You can be there in other ways. Right. But as long as you think that way, we just got to think outside of the box. Now. Absolutely. And I'm finding that I am uh, trying to rediscover myself. uh, uh trying to find out what other things that I like doing and uh, who am I outside of my job? Mm. Who am I outside of being attached to? It's so interesting because I know you're a person of faith as well. Who am I outside of being attached to that building or being in church every Sunday? And that's a lot of new ground for a lot of us because so often we define ourselves by our family and friends. Mm -hmm. For those of us who are big on our faith, we define ourselves about being able to march to that church on Sunday that morning building. and fellowship that in that, that building. Right. So this is, you know, and, and I oftentimes think about that every Sunday morning uh, when I get up and I say my prayers and uh, and I'm laying there and thinking like, I would be going, normally going to church this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I, and I was thinking to myself that it's not a bad thing because we shouldn't be so attached to things. You know what? We shouldn't be attached to buildings. Mm-hmm. You know what? We shouldn't be attached to uh, physical relationship that I have to be standing side by side mm-hmm. with Tony in her presence to make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times, you know, we always joke, especially in our culture, we always joke that we only only time we hear or see each other is when we show up for a funeral right. or or some type of reunion. But I don't hear from nobody outside of those times. Well, guess what? This is forcing us. To pick up the phone, if I want to stay connected with you, I need to pick up the phone and then I can still have some type of presence with you. So it's not all bad. I think that (laughs) is the struggle, that physical presence. Something resonated with me just as you were saying that because, because you're right. Because I can't see or touch the individual that I'm used to or a group of people that I'm used to being with, it doesn't mean that either one of us care any less. That's right. If we, we just have to find, you know, that, that new norm. That new norm. That new norm. Yeah. Yeah. But the churches and this I've learned through this COVID time, my meditation experience is a lot mm. deeper than yes. it used to be. You know, it would normally be, you know, like reading a meditation in the morning or reading it in the evening. But now you actually it's not even just about reading it, but now you're reading the meditation, you're actually studying the associated, you know, scriptures right. with it. And then, you know, you're having conversations with people over the phone and yes. you're sharing, you know, what different, you know, things that you've received mm-hmm. from that. And so it, it does make life a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's a little bit more exciting. It's a different way of fellowship. It is. It's a different way. I don't see all the people that yeah. I would normally see in right. church, but I'm talking to more people Take you, for instance. Absolutely. You know, we didn't always have you know, the kind of conversation that we're having Not now. At all. And But look at how filling they are because we actually are ministering to one another. We're encouraging one another. And, you know, and it, it makes a difference when you, I don't know about you, but I know when we hang up, you know, I'm thinking like, you know what? I didn't quite see something 
that way before. That's right. You know, but but thank you, you know, for sharing, you know, that perspective or enlightening me on another, you know, insight that I just hadn't considered before. Yes. So again, that's growth. Yeah, I, I, it's something new. It's something new. Right. You know, it's a, a, out of it's the new norm. You know, I, I always think that I was sharing with someone the other day. I said I I never would, although I thought about being able to have a format where I would have different people with different viewpoints to sit down and have conversations because I've always loved having conversations and I've always loved hearing different people's perspective right. because as, as convicted as I am in, in my beliefs and what I think, mm-hmm. I know others are just as strong in their conviction. Absolutely. And whether I leave, whether we walk away, it's not about me walking away in agreement with you, right. but I respect your right to have that opinion. And I always learn something. Mm-hmm. And, and whether I agree or disagree, I always walk away learning something. So I always tell people that I would have never had a podcast if it hadn't been for COVID-19, what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's forcing me to see things. And it's almost like starting a new job. And you know how you have that that energy when you first get on this new job. You've been working this job for X amount of years. Now you start the new position. There's this rush that you have mm-hmm. because you're learning and you're growing. Right, right. And, and that is the way that I think about this, the current state. And yes, I'd be glad when you get out. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I will be glad when this is over. I think but, we all will. But I'm learning how to operate in a new and different way. And I think it's something that I haven't had to do in a long time. And as strangely as it is, the deaths that I've had, the losses that I've had in my family mm-hmm. has prepared me for what's going on today. Oh, because absolutely. I found myself having to learn how to operate without my mom, right. without my sister. It was just, it was such a weird, awkward space for me to be in, not to pick up the phone every day and call my mom. Well, I hope not we to all talk. come together and see how this COVID is and that it yes. is changing the way we think. Yes. That it is changing the way we live. That mm-hmm. it is changing the way we interact in the world period i believe in my heart that this is happening because you know our father is trying to get our attention and help us to see that we've been focusing on the wrong things even those losses aren't as bad as we thought they were because we're still here right we're still here those individuals were able to complete their mission yes so if we're still here what are we supposed to be doing Mm. that we haven't done so I so so the losses you think the losses have helped prepare you to exist in this environment Absolutely. today I think as well. That's one of the reasons that I'm not, I'm not as anxious as a right. lot of my friends are and a lot of my family members are is because I <laughs> it's all been taken away. It's all been and taken away. And it has all more or less been mm. given back. Mm. But nothing is meant to last forever. So true. So true. It is so important. I think it's so important that we stay connected to our emotional health during this time of crisis. And I, and I stumbled upon a question in one of the previous episodes and I, episodes. And I think the question was, how do you check in with yourself emotionally? And uh, and it's so funny that the question didn't really hit me. I I'd researched and read the question, but I think it hit me when I was actually on the podcast and talking to the young lady about it. So how do you stay, uh, how do you check in with yourself emotionally? I don't know that I really focus on checking in with, with myself emotionally. I, I guess I could say there are some times when I find myself being a little more uh, short-tempered. Uh, and and you don't really understand why. Like, why did that trigger me to respond that way? way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think what I then when I go back, I always reflect daily on my conversations, my actions, behaviors, what have you. I just always do that. And when I've had those moments, 
you know, when I've said to myself, why did I respond like that? And it's normally because, you know, I feel like I've lost something. I'm trying to, either I was trying to hold on to something. something. I felt like, you know, something or someone was trying to take from me mm-hmm. or, but that was that thing that was, I feel like it's more sentimental to me than it is to you. Right. You're the one right. trying to take it or what have you. And other times when I hear from other people who are going through things or who are sharing, you know, their anxiety about this particular time that we're in or the impact that something is having on them because of this, I'm able to minister or to share with them. Remember, it's not always what it seems. That's right. You know, it it really isn't because of COVID that you know, this has been taken or that has been gone. I mean, it's linked to it, you know, but at the end of the day, we, I, I believe that it's something bigger than that. It's meant for us to see something greater than that and to do something different than right. what we have been doing before. So I think I just check in with myself emotionally uh, just by reflecting and just being mindful that, like we said earlier, it really isn't about me. Mm-hmm. And what is it that we can do to be you know, make a difference in someone else's world, in someone else's life, in someone else's situation. Wow. You know what? It, it's, I had, as you were talking, I had this big aha moment here. You know, I, I'm thinking that in the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of, I know we're talking about finding yourself, losing it all and finding yourself. Yeah. I think in the midst of this environment, we're not only having to find ourselves in a lot of instances, but also having to redefine ourselves. Yes. We are having to redefine ourselves. And I think that's the part that is uncomfortable a little bit, you know, because when you redefine yourself, you have to first know who you are. Right. You have to first know who you are. And then in order to redefine yourself, then you go and say, you know what, where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? What do I want to do? But you this, also have to identify and, those things yes. that need to be redefined. That need to be redefined. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I was just sitting here we were thinking, we, as you were talking, I was thinking about this. Like The topic is finding myself, but in, in the midst of finding yourself, uh, you. now you have to redefine yeah. who you are. Because everything that, everything that you knew to be true... Ooh. Everything that you Everything. knew to be true may be looking a little different these days. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Everything I thought Everything I you knew thought. to be true. That is so correct. Yes. Tony, I know that you are a person of faith, mm-hmm. but what anchors you and uh, what gives you hope during these times? Just that, that there is a brighter tomorrow, mm. that it will get better. It will get better. This too shall pass. You know what? I have enjoyed this. I think that we have such good conversations. I'm sure we have many more. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, many more conversations. You know, I always end, uh, always end my segments with this little book, If Only I Knew. It's a general reminder to help us treasure the people in our life. And I'll kind of share with you one that is resonating with me right now. Okay. And again, I'll let you close it out by finishing it. Okay. Uh, if Only I Knew, God gives us a lifetime to become the person he wants us to be. I would have been more patient with myself and with others. If only I knew, and you finish it, Tony. Mm. If only I knew then that all of the things that have transpired in life were going to happen, and I knew the things that I know now, I would have perhaps spent more time cultivating those things that, will, that were designed to last. 
in the sense of relationships. Mm-hmm. I really would. I, and friendships. I would have cultivated those things. But I would have spent more time cultivating those things that I have a passion for. Because we have a tendency to, to focus on what we think we knew. Yes. What, we, what we thought it was meant to be. And now that I know what really matters, mm-hmm. I would have focused more on those things. Wow. What a beautiful way to end this segment. And thanks, Tony. Thanks for coming by and talking with me and talking with my listeners again, as I say, because I've gotten so many email, texts and phone calls saying, Mm. hey, how is Tony? And and also just saying uh, her story resonated with me so much. And I Mm. had people who've contacted me who have dealt with loss and who's still dealing with loss. And because your openness and willing to share I think they're able to walk through that down that path with a little clear vision of where they need to go. So thank you so much for being willing to share. Thank you for the opportunity to be of some level of service. My friends, I will catch up with you on the next episode of Unspoken Matters. Remember, there are some matters in life that should never go unspoken. So speak up. We're out of here.